Take your Bibles to Philippians chapter number four. I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous today. Um, I told my wife a couple weeks ago when she sang in church, just focus on one thing, hon. I, I know you're uh, nervous, and I just want you to focus on one thing. Well, I'm going to focus today on not tripping off the platform, okay? So hopefully I won't do that. Philippians chapter number four. If you don't know me and my family, my wife's name is Laura. She works in the HR department, and uh, I can tell you that I married way up, way up. I remember going to Brother Weaver. Uh, my wife knew Brother Weaver very well, and, and uh, just talking to him about dating, you know, Laura when, when we first started dating, and, and uh, he looked at me, he's like, man, it's like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant, but I, I assume that, you know, I'm the beast, right, Brother Weaver? Yeah. So Philippians chapter number four. My wife's name is Laura. We have two small kids. Uh, my daughter's name is Evelyn. And I fear that um, she might be smarter than me already. Uh, already. And uh, I, I don't know if that's really a hard thing, you know, to be smarter than me. But uh, I, I started to figure this out about six months ago. And, and she says just some things that are like, wow, where did you get that? Uh, we were trying to get her to eat her vegetables. And I was kind of smooth talking her into eating her broccoli. You know, you never have to smooth talk anyone into eating a Snickers bar, right? I mean, you have to, you know, you talk to kids and you're like, man, you know, eat your broccoli, you'll grow big and strong. And my daughter was going through kind of like a princess stage, you know, and, and so I said, you know, uh, princesses eat their broccoli. And man, you, aren't you daddy's princess? And she looked at me with a straight face and she said, no, I'm a queen. Okay, that was a rough one to get through. My son's name is Elliot. He's about 18 months, and man, we love Elliot, and I feel as if he's kind of like Houdini with food. You know, we place it in front of him, and all of a sudden it's gone, uh, except for vegetables. And he's got this trick that he does. I, I don't know how he does it, but we've literally tried to hide like green beans in the food, and so he'll eat the food, and all of a sudden, he'll spit out this little piece of green. It's almost like he knows exactly where the green is, and he's not having any of it. It's amazing. I love my kids. I'm just so excited that God brought us out here to West Coast Baptist College. I remember sitting where you are, well, inside. Uh, but I remember sitting where you guys are and just appreciating the staff and their kindness and their friendship and mentoring me as I went through some things throughout college. And, and man, I just so appreciate this place. Philippians chapter number four, we're going to take a look at verse number four. We're going to read all the way down through verse number 13. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last of your care hath flourished me again, or I'm sorry, hath flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect, for, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am 
therewith to be content. I know how both to uh, both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, you are so good to us. And every single way we can imagine, you have been good. Thank you for the gift of being able to come to this college and be part of this place and and hear from instructors that have gone through many different things and have learned through trials and have grown. And thank you so much for the opportunity to serve the Lord in this place. Lord, we love you. I I pray that you speak your truth to these students today. Use me, Lord. I, I know I'm not as eloquent as others, but Lord, use me in a mighty way today. In your name we pray, amen. I want to preach on the subject, there's joy in serving Jesus. One of the summers that I spent throughout my college years, I went to the Wilds Christian Camp in North Carolina, and I was a counselor there. In fact, that's actually where my wife and I met. We actually went to the same college, of course. We went here to West Coast, but we met at the Wilds. And uh, I can tell you that it was a fantastic summer outside of even the fact that I met my wife there, but it was a fantastic summer spiritually for me. I really enjoyed the time that I spent with the other counselors there and, and some of the time that we spent kind of talking about what God is doing in their life at different Bible colleges all across America. And I just so appreciated the camaraderie and the teamwork we found there. There was one gentleman, however, that stuck out to me, and it was really interesting that I didn't really get to know him until week five or six, but I heard about him right away. The gentleman's name was Caleb Walker. Caleb Walker was the most joyful guy that I've ever met in my entire life. In fact, there was somewhat of a funny saying that we had at the Wilds, from one to Caleb Walker, how happy are you today? I mean, it was just, he was that happy. He was a joyful servant of the Lord, and around week five or six of camp, I asked him, Caleb, you know, how, how do you stay so happy? And I will never forget his response to this day. He said, how can I not be joyful serving Jesus? How can I not be joyful serving Jesus? And as I uh, uh, look over this passage and I take a glimpse at scripture here, I think of the Apostle Paul and how he's literally in prison writing these words and he's telling these uh, Philippian believers who, by the way, earlier in this chapter, were having a little bit of trouble with unity. He's telling them, listen, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I think of myself, man, how can a man who is in prison be saying these words, rejoice in the Lord always? And I think that the Apostle Paul would probably echo the same words that Caleb Walker said. How can I not be joyful serving Jesus? And I want, you to, I want to ask you today, how joyful are you in the service of our King? In this passage, I simply want to find quickly seven ingredients to maintaining joy while serving Jesus. Number one, I want to see rejoice in the Lord in all times and in all places. Rejoice in the Lord in all times and in all places. See, the circumstances of Paul's life reminded him of the joy that was available in the Lord, and he wished that joy for these Philippian believers as well. And it's the same joy that I would wish on you as well today. Paul knew that no situation is beyond the Lord's help, but Christians can always rejoice in that, if nothing else. 
Nothing is beyond the Lord's help. And, and quite frankly, I don't know what you've been through today. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you that the Lord can provide joy in the midst of desperate situations. And I can say today that we're in the middle of a pretty desperate situation, don't you think? Our nation is in the middle of kind of a weird territory as we are kind of meeting outside right now. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just odd. But I can tell you, even in the midst of a desperate time in America in 2020, God can provide true joy. I was thinking about Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. He was a member of the U.S. Supreme Court for 30 years. A brilliant man. John Marshall, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes at one point said that at one point in his life, he explained his career choice by saying, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. I wonder today, does the world see the joy that you have in Jesus Christ? Because it's going to be the most impactful thing that you can do is have joy in the midst of struggle. The thing that's going to impact others' lives is having joy in the midst of turmoil. I can say that real Christian joy is in Christ and it is constant. The first ingredient that I find is to rejoice in all places at all times. You know, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Philippian believers, but you know his life backed his message? Think of Acts chapter number 16. Where were he and Silas at that point in time? In Acts chapter number 16, praising the Lord in the middle of the night. They weren't in some cushiony auditorium. They weren't in some place where everyone was in agreement with them. They were in the middle of prison. And yet God was giving them the joy that they needed to get through that situation. And in the middle of the night, they were praising the Lord. Do you have that joy? Are you able to rejoice in those types of circumstances? You know, I was thinking to what Dr. Getz said earlier about praying with us in the middle of uh, West Virginia. That was August 2nd, 2015. I remember it well. Because 20 days later, we, we lost our first child. I remember meeting Dr. Getz that time. I remember praying with him. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm just so glad that the Lord is so good to us. And 20 days later, the Lord would kind of put that on trial. My wife was pregnant about 21 weeks, and she started to recognize that something was wrong. We took her to uh, her doctor, and, and I can tell you that from that doctor's visit, we knew something was very, very wrong. The doctor said to immediately get in the car and drive to the hospital where uh, specialists were, would be waiting. And at 21 weeks, our child was born still. You know, I think back to that time, and I think back to five days later, putting him in a little grave. Because after 20 weeks, you have to bury the child. I think back to that moment. And I remember the hurt and the pain. I remember the difficulty that we went through. But I can tell you there was a joy that only God could provide in that moment. And I don't know what I would have done if I didn't know Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you're at right now, but I know that 
Maybe sometime in the future you're going to go through a difficult trial, something that you just didn't expect. We didn't expect to lose that child. We didn't expect anything wrong to happen, but yet it did. Trials come. Difficulties come. The only joy that you'll ever find in those moments is in Jesus Christ. And you'll find it by rejoicing in him at all times and in all places. The first ingredient is to rejoice in the Lord at all times and all places. Number two, be balanced in your temperament. Be balanced in your temperament. Take a look at verse number five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And you know, this word moderation is, is somewhat of a really interesting word. Um, it can mean appropriate, gentle, mild. It could even mean patient. But the kind of the, the summary that I found of this word is someone that has a balance in their temperament. Someone that has a balance in their temperament. And I can tell you ministry is going to bring some extreme highs and some extreme lows. And we've been through the extreme highs and the extreme lows. And I can tell you that balance is what is necessary in those moments. I'm speaking uh, from experience and the negative side of things. You know, we've been there. My wife and I have had the conversations. We've, we've struggled with the highs and lows, and we've had legitimately thoughts like, well, maybe God doesn't want me in the ministry, or it's just not working for me here. Or, uh, I don't understand why you put me here, but I've got to tell you, moderation in those places is what's necessary to maintain the joy that you have in the Lord. And you might be sitting here in your seat right now thinking, you know, God, I don't know why you put me here. It's, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm sitting here outside, you know, trying to to serve you. Lord, I don't understand this. I could have just kind of stayed at home and done my studies online, but I'm so glad that you made the choice to sit in these seats today because I believe that God has something special for you here. There's some extreme highs and some extreme lows, and it's time that maybe in college that you learn moderation in those moments. The balance, balance and temperament, patience, gentleness, The third ingredient I find when it comes to having joy in the Lord and having joy in the ministry is bathing everything in prayer and thankfulness. Bathe everything in prayer and thankfulness. Verse number six says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and uh, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. You know, the Apostle Paul is really echoing what he would say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, I, I really do ask myself often, what if I prayed as much as I complained? What if I prayed as much as I complained? I can tell you, I can get on a roll complaining. My wife will tell you at times I'll, I'll be at home and I'll be complaining and just almost turns into an avalanche of complaining. You know, one complaint leads to the other. And I think sometimes she just lets me have that moment and she just looks at me and she says, have you prayed about it? Man, that's like a knife to the heart. You know, your wife telling you, have you prayed about it? In fact, you know, when I was going over this message, I was uh, kind of going through some of the things with my wife and she was, you know, feeding me little notes. Ooh, that would be good. And ooh, that would be good in this sermon. I can tell you at times my wife is a little bit more spiritual than I. But she says, have you prayed? Have you prayed about it? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, you don't understand. I've got this roommate, that blah, blah, blah. Or you don't understand. I've got this going on. Or you don't understand these health issues that I'm facing. Or you don't really grasp it. But I can tell you, 
that the answer is still the same. Have you prayed about it? Have you taken it to Jesus? A.C. Dixon once said, when we rely upon organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely upon education, we get what education can do. When we, reply, uh, re- uh, uh, when we rely upon eloquence, we get what eloquence can do, and so on. Nor am I disposed to undervalue any of these things in their proper place, but when we rely upon prayer, we get what God can do. Are you seeing the results of what God can do in your life? Are you battling in your own strength? Are you anxious about tomorrow? Are you worrying about the days ahead? Are you worrying about what it's going to be like in 2021? Is it going to get any worse? Uh, Is it even going to get any better? You're worried about the vaccines that are going to come. I don't know what you're worried about today. But have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? You know, I don't only see that we should bathe everything in prayer, but in thankfulness. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You know, I'm so grateful for my daughter. It's really interesting when you have kids, you start to notice some of the small things in life. My daughter really enjoys some of the small details. In fact, my wife, when she was younger, used to take her out uh, uh, on walks throughout the neighborhood, and, and my daughter would pick up these little, like, you know, uh, pieces of branches and, and, you know, little leaves and stuff like that, and call them her treasures. You know, and, and sometimes uh, uh, my daughter would uh, pick up a rock as we were walking either home from church or something like that, and, and uh, she would give us the rock, and, and she would say, this is such a special rock for you, Mommy and Daddy. I think if I kept all the rocks that she collected and, and gave to us, I'd probably be able to landscape a yard, I'm telling you. She collected a lot of those rocks. You know, we took her out to, um, to one of the beaches down in L.A. on, on Labor Day, and, and uh, we just kind of let her walk around the, the seashore there. And, and there was a little cove, and inside that little cove, there was this, this pile of these, these rocks everywhere. And, man, she got so excited, like, Look at all these rocks. This is awesome, you know. And she got so excited about these little things. And my, my wife is like, yes, Evelyn, those rocks are so special. And I'm sitting there like, uh-huh. It's a rock. But, you know, I, I think of the little blessings that God gives us every single day. Every single day. The little things just by waking up in the morning. The little things like a nice word from a friend. The little things like, hey, you know, here's this little blessing for you. I I just even think to myself the millions of accidents that happen on the road every single day, and I made it safely to work this morning. It's a little blessing that God gives, and oftentimes we're just like, oh, it's just this. It's so ordinary. I'm so convicted by what things I see as ordinary, but God gives as extraordinary gifts. I'm so convicted by the things that I don't even think about, and I don't thank God for on a daily basis. And and just let me ask you a question today. What if we lost everything we didn't thank God for yesterday? What would we have? What if we lost everything we didn't thank God for even this morning? What will we have? 
And I'm convicted in my own heart to say, I would have extremely little. I wouldn't have much. But we know from Scripture that every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And I can tell you that joy comes when we're willing to be thankful over the little things. And you know what it does in our lives? It gives us a vertical perspective instead of a horizontal perspective. We start seeing what God is doing instead of seeing what the circumstances are in our life. And that's what prayer and thankfulness does. And my friend, I've got to ask you today, is your perspective vertical or is it horizontal? Are you seeing the details around your life? Are you seeing the difficulties in your life? Are you seeing the circumstances that you're currently in? Are you seeing it as a gift from God to grow you and make you stronger? Every good and perfect gift is from above. I love the next verse. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, shall keep your hearts and minds. You know, Dr. Gatch, I, I know that you enjoy football. I love football, too. And I think one of my favorite aspects of football is defense. You don't really see it anymore, to be honest with you. It's, it's a lot of offense. It's it's kind of depressing, to be honest with you. You know, games that go into the 50s, it's just ridiculous. I love defense. When I was younger, I used to play on a football team, and I really enjoyed playing middle linebacker or, you know, even playing nose guard or nose tackle at times. And I just love stopping the guys that are trying to come through that line. I, I like being the guard, so to speak. You know, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, I was thinking about this verse Guard or keep is like a military term. It's a defensive term. It implies that peace stands on duty to keep out anything that brings care and anxiety. For these reasons, prayerful people and thankful people are peaceful people. Prayerful people and thankful people are peaceful people. You see, the peace of God, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't make sense that we can have that joy, that we can have that peace, that we can have that comfort in the midst of these difficult circumstances to the world. It will never make sense. The world will never get it. But you do. Because peace stands on guard when, when we give it to the Lord. Peace stands on guard when we're thankful for the everyday gifts and even thankful for the suffering that we experience because we know it's going to bring joy and growth. You know, I think the fourth ingredient to having joy and maintaining joy in the Lord is controlling the ideas that enter your mind. Controlling the ideas that enter your mind. Take a look at verse number eight. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, I used to take, uh, with my cousins, we used to take one of those um, tools that's used to sift, and we used to go in the backyard, and, and like we would ever find anything in the backyard, but we used to take the dirt and, and pour it into that sifting tool, and, and we used to pick it up and kind of go like this and allow that, that sifting tool to pour out all the sand and all that was uh, not needed and, and, you know, to see what was actually in the dirt. And most of the time, I can tell you, it was, you know, a lost, like, rain pop or something like that, you know, <laughs> a little stone, a little pebble. 
But you know what? I, I think of this verse, and I used to tell our youth group to allow this to be the sifting tool. The sifting tool for your media. The sifting tool for whatever you put in front of your face. Whatever you're listening to, whatever podcasts that you have, whatever uh, movies that, that you enjoy, hopefully not at Whiskers. I used to tell them that when you look at your media, when you look at what you're viewing, what, what you're listening to, eventually that's going to make an impact and a dent in your mind. And those are the things that you're going to be thinking about. So before you watch that show, that movie, listen to that podcast, whatever it might be, think, is this pure? Is this lovely? Is it of a good report? Is it honest? Is it necessary? Is this expedient? Is this mature? Is this acceptable? Is it profitable for me? Go through this verse piece by piece by piece by piece and every single thing that you place on your ears or, or I'm sorry, in your ears or in front of your face, make sure you sift it by this word, this passage in scripture. You know, I had a lot of teenagers that would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, Brother Nick, I, I gotta be honest with you. I don't think this video game matches. You know, Brother Nick, I, I don't think this piece of media matches. I don't think this podcast matches. And you might be sitting to yourself, man, I'm, I'm at West Coast Baptist College. I can't really watch or do much here. But I can tell you, Christmas break will be here before you know it. And so that's the perfect time for the devil to put something in front of your face to steal your joy. What enters through your eyes and through your ears, can inevitably steal the joy that you have in the Lord. Why? Because it'll make a dent in your mind. You might even be here while you're in college, and, and you know what you're listening to, and you know it's not right. You know some of the media that you're putting in front of your face, and you know it's not right. You know some of the friends that you have that really don't even match up with this verse here, and it's, they're not pure or lovely or of good report, any of those things. It's going to affect your mind, and it will affect your joy. I can tell you that most of the time when I'm not joyful, it's because I've either watched or listened to something that, that just didn't click, didn't click with Scripture. Are you using this verse for a scepter in your mind? The fifth ingredient I see is to be content in position and in possession. Verse number 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And I, I can tell you, this is the one that's going to be most difficult when you get into the ministry. When you leave this place, because I can tell you, most of you, as college students, you're like, oh, I, I don't really have anything to begin with, and I can relate to that. But this is the most difficult one. Because you start looking out, and you see some of the graduates that were in your class, and you start to see some of your peers, and you start to see maybe the money that they're making, or maybe the position that they have, and, and you're looking at yourself, and you're working just kind of keep yourself alive there, and you're working to keep your family a little bit above water there, and, and it's difficult. And I can tell you, even in the ministry, in the low points in ministry, it's going to get hard to be content. It's going to be hard to be content in your position and what you have. I'm speaking from experience that there's been a lot of times that I've looked out at some of the graduates that were in my class, and man, I was like, man, what? I would love to be working in that church. Wow. 
they seem to be having some real revival there. Or man, they, that guy seems to really have it together. And I can tell you, in my mind comes this really dissension, and the joy is gone. Because I'm just not content with where God put me and what God gave me. And it really even goes back to the verse on thankfulness and being thankful for the position that I'm in or being thankful for the possessions that I have. And I want to ask you, even if you're here today, and you might even be thinking, man, I could be sitting home in my pajamas doing online classes. Man, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, be content with where God puts you and what God gives you. No. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Maybe you don't have it because you simply don't need it. Maybe you don't have it because God's got something better eventually. Maybe you're not in that position because God's got you exactly where he wants you. You see, the sixth ingredient is rely on Christ for all things and you know, I hear this verse so often, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I think so many times that, you know, we used to say it before ball games, right? I can do all things through Christ, but I'm pretty sure the other team was saying the same exact thing. You know, man, we can go out there and get them, because I, I think in context, the Apostle Paul is really dealing with contentment. I can be content through Christ, because in and of myself, I cannot. I can have joy in the ministry because even in myself, in my own flesh, I cannot. If I try to do things in my strength, in my power, in my own abilities, by the way, there's not a lot of those things, okay? I don't have a lot of abilities, I don't have a lot of strength, and I don't have a lot of power. But in Christ, I can do all things. I can be content in the dire times. I can be joyful in times of suffering. I can grow through times of hardship because... In Christ, I can do all things. You know, I think back to John chapter number 15, the familiar passage where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He goes on to say, without me, you can do nothing. Remember that as you grow through college and go into the ministry, without him, you can't do anything. Oh, yeah, you might be able to see some things happen in your own strength, but when it comes right down to it, some real growth and some real fruit won't happen without Jesus Christ. It just won't. You know, as I finished up today, I was thinking about the Christ, that Christ is the source by which we are empowered to handle all affairs of this life. He's the source by which we are empowered to handle all affairs of this life. And if he's the source, and if he's the reason for everything, number seven, the last ingredient today, and I'm done. The apostle said, I can have joy in serving Jesus when I give God the glory for all blessings. I can have joy in serving Jesus when I give God the glory for all blessings. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul ends all his letters. And he usually says something to the effect in verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I got to tell you, there's no joy when we start taking blessings for ourselves because you always come up discontent and wanting more. 
But when it comes straight from God, we know, hey, God, you are the reason and you are the source. I am giving you all the glory here. And some of you are extremely talented. Man, I really enjoyed the song that was just played and the way the piano was played. Man, it was, it was so good. And, and the three were so, so talented. The piano player was so talented. But, you know, when you have a talent like that, praise the Lord. Give him the glory. Because when you start using it for yourself and your own gain, the joy diminishes like that. It's gone. You start relying on yourself. You start relying on your strength and your power. You know, I'm often reminded about Caleb Walker. I'm often reminded about what he said to me. How can I not be joyful while serving Jesus? I think about that saying that we had, you know, from one to Caleb Walker, how joyful are you? It's a funny little saying, but I say it to myself all the time. It's something that I remember. Someone made an impact in my life because of the joy that they had for Jesus Christ. What impact are you leaving in someone else's life because of the joy that you have in Jesus? What impact will you have on the world because of the joy that you have in Christ? It's often convicting to me that if it were a scale from 1 to 10, 1 to 100, oftentimes my number would be very low. Because my focus has turned from vertical to horizontal. I start thinking about the things surrounding me instead of the God who's leading me through it. I love the testimony of the Apostle Paul because in everywhere and all places he gave God the glory. It was all about Jesus Christ. It was all about serving him. It's all about God's son. And I know you're sitting here in a ministry school, but I can tell you there are many that have left this place where it's been all about them and not about Jesus. Oh, my friends, don't leave this place like that. Don't leave here living for yourself because you'll never experience joy. Don't leave here trying to accomplish things in your own power because you'll never experience true joy. I hope these ingredients have been a help to you today.